I was with you, um, and I know, Tay, you have one too. Um, let's, uh, he's going to hate my guts. Uh, uh, let's turn to Matthew 26. And chapter 26, and we'll read uh, verses 69 to 75. But we're going to stay in the Gospels today. So um, uh, you're going to uh, move, jump around, okay? All right, let me, I'm going to read it in uh, English Standard Version. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you too are one of them. For your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to answer, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Your uh, uh, outline tells you we're going to, uh, there's three uh, emphatic statements, okay? So let me fill it in for you, just in case you miss it, okay? And we're going to go, the first one is emphatic proclamation, okay? Second, you got that, right? Second, emphatic renunciation. And then the third is emphatic restoration, Now, this text is really interesting because all four gospel writers write writes about this. And when all four gospel writers write about something, it's like having a flag and saying, pay attention. Okay? I know Pastor DL uh, usually sits here and, uh, uh, you know, you still do that, right? Um, but every once in a while, you can see him like lean forward, and he wants you to pay attention. Well, that's kind of like this. Okay, all four gospel writers saying, "Pay attention." Okay, but before we go to there, here's the thing about the um, here's, here's the thing about the uh, scripture. Sometimes we can just look at one little passage. And we missed the point about the big picture. So in order to understand why that is so important, we have to actually go forward and backwards. So that's what we're going to do. Let's go backwards a little bit. Okay, so turn your Bibles to chapter 16 of Matthew. As you know, chapter 16 the Israelites are watching this young preacher. Okay? I know sometimes we read the Bible with understanding of today. And, and because Pastor D.L. is such a good Bible teacher, 
you're, you're a bit spoiled. I, I just want you guys to know. Okay? I, we've traveled to lots of churches over uh, in the uh, uh, U.S. and Canada. And, you know, we miss being here listening to Pastor D.L. Because right? he, he preaches from the scripture. And you guys know that. And that's why you re- return. But sometimes that's a hindrance to really looking at the scripture. Because he has 30 minutes to impart the knowledge of the scripture. And we can't always look at the entire picture of the scripture. So I, I, I really would implore you emphatically to read the scripture, which will make his great sermons even greater. Okay, so, so I'm pointing that out because you're not going to get everything just in the last 25 minutes that I have left to uh, preach. So it's, you're only going to get a slice. So you have to study it some more. Okay? But you know, here in chapter 16, people are demanding a sign. Okay? And then uh, here in verse 13, Jesus says, Jesus asks us an interesting question. He asks this. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? This is NIV version. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is trying to make a point. And when he says that, the disciples do what we would do. They've heard lots of people talk about this, this, this dynamic preacher, dynamic teacher. Okay? So they're saying things like, well, some say, um, where, where, they reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus looks at them and says, who do you say that I am? Put yourself there. Okay. Remember, you don't have the scripture. You don't have Pastor D.L. You're in that first century. Who would you say this dynamic preacher is? What would you be like in that gathering? I don't know about you, but I'll be scratching my head going, okay, who do I say? What would be the right answer? Do I say uh, like John the Baptist or do I say Elijah? What do I say? Who do I really think it is? In, that, in the midst of all that, Peter, because he's just that kind of guy. I think he an, he's an ENFP. You guys know ENFP? You know, we ENFPs, we make mistakes all the time. We just jump in. Okay? So he jumps in. He says, you are the son of God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And everybody stops and looks at him like, what's he talking about? Did he just say, did he say that? You're kind of wondering, right? Is that true? Because you're also hoping for that to be true. Right? Because up to now, Jesus hasn't revealed who, who he is. You, you wish for it, but you're kind of going, you're kind of bold, Peter. What's Jesus' response? He says, he doesn't just say, oh, you're right. He says, you're absolutely right. And by the way, you're no longer PDL. Or you're no longer Simon, the son of Barjona. 
son of, son of Jonah is what Barjona is. Okay? You're no longer son of John, the New Testament version of Jonah. Your name is now the rock. Not the rock that we watch, but the rock. It's even greater than that rock. Okay? And then he says, he doesn't just say that. He says, you know what? I'm going to put my magnum opus, the greatest thing I'll ever build, that's going to be on your shoulder. I'm going to build my church on you or on the rock. What are you feeling? If you're Peter, what are you feeling? You're feeling pretty good. Your chest is coming out a little bit and going, yeah, I'm the man. Now fast forward a little bit. Fast forward a little bit. And to chapter 26. Peter's just emphatically proclaimed that this man, dynamic preacher, is the Christ, the son of the living God. In chapter 26, we begin to read that there's this little thing called Last Supper in your Bible. But again, forget that you're in 21st century. Go back to the first century. You're in this attic, and you're having... A meal, you don't know that this is the last meal. You're just having a meal with Jesus. It's nothing new, except for the fact that it's the Passover dinner. You know what the Passover dinner is? If you're a Jew back then, what you remember, you have to actually kind of get rid of the Old Testament books and think back to about 800 years, a history of uh, 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 Israel, maybe even more. Is it like 1,600? I forget the uh, number. But, you know, hundreds of years to a time when Israel was a slave. whole nation of Israel was slave in Egypt. And you remember, I mean, we, I'm now asking you to come back this, this century. You remember the story, right? Or maybe you stay in the first century. You remember the story of the plagues. And how God brought Israel, my people, out of Egypt. What was the last plague? The last plague was the the killing of the firstborn of every Egyptian. Not just human beings, but the animals too. How did Israel escape? God told told them to kill unblemished lambs. And take the blood with hyssop, hyssop, some kind of plant, dip it and put the blood over their uh, uh, um, doorway. Okay? And then the angel of death will pass over your house and your firstborn won't be killed. That's the Passover story. And in the, while they were celebrating the Passover is when Jesus says, he breaks the bread. This is, a, this is my body broken for you. Takes the cup. Says, this is my blood spilt for you. And he says, you'll remember this later. Okay. You're sitting there and you're going, 
That's kind of weird, Jesus. That's pretty weird. And what do you what are you meaning? So while you're wondering that, we read. Then verse thirty one, it says. Then Jesus said to to them, "This very night, you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you ahead of you into Galilee." And Peter, ENFP, impulsive. What does he say? The one who emphatically proclaim that you are the Son of God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What does he say? He says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Have we ever made that promise before? He doesn't just stop there. When Jesus says, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. What's Peter's declaration? Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing because, you know, you got to go with the crowd, right? Emphatic proclamation of his loyalty to Jesus. Have we done that? Ryan, I love your testimony. Did you do that this morning? You did, didn't you? Yeah. I've done it. That's why I joined Pioneers. We've done that. Emphatic proclamation of our loyalty to Jesus. But what happens? What happens when the rubber meets, meets the road? That's where we pick up our text today. All right. What's our text? Moving down to uh, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. Right? Now, Let's not vilify Peter. Okay. Peter was trying to keep his promise to Jesus, I believe. It doesn't say it here, but you know, why would he follow into the courtyard where Jesus, Jesus is being flogged and he's being tested? Because I think, because I'm also ENFP, I want to keep my promise and I want to know, if nothing else, I want to know What's going on so that I can figure out a solution to rescue Jesus? Because I don't know he's God yet. I mean, I kind of have a, a feeling, but, you know, I'm not sure. I said what I said, but, you know, proof, proof is, is in the pudding, right? So I'm following after Jesus. You're following after Jesus. But then what happens? Your intentions are good. Then he says, I think you were with Jesus, somebody says. And what's your re reaction? I don't know about you, but my heart would sink. Like, oh my goodness, somebody noticed me. 
Because when you go to, the, go to Mark's account of this, what he says, what Mark says is, he, did, he didn't just say, no, I'm not. He said that, and then he escaped to the threshold or the front of the door. Because he's now, his heart's beating, and he's going, who's going to notice me? I don't know. Should I leave, or should I stay? Should I stay, or should I go? You know, he's doing that. You understand? He ha- Peter is a human being with all kinds of human being- beingness. Right? Just like us, he has doubts too. And then the second time, somebody says, I think you were with him. But that person doesn't say, I think you were with him. That, that servant girl says, hey, look, everybody, he was with Jesus. He was with Jesus. Now what are you thinking? You would do what Peter did. Peter said, I swear I'm not. I swear on my mother's grave I'm not. That's what he says. And back then, when we said scouts honor, that meant we were going to keep our promise. Although, you know, Peter didn't. But that, you, it's understandable, right? I mean, when rubber meets the road, we would act just like Peter. And then the third time. It gets a little bit more deeper. There's a progression here. The third time. They're not just saying, oh, I think he's with him. They're saying, you're with him. Because you know what? You keep saying A at the end of, end of everything you're saying. Sorry, eh? Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry eh? Yeah. Mazda, pasta, bagel. Okay? They're picking up these accents, and they're going, you were with the Gal- uh, Nazarene. So what does Peter do? He knows now he's in danger. He's going to be treated just like Jesus because he can see Jesus. Okay? So what would you do? You would do exactly what Jesus, uh, uh, Peter would have done. He brought on curse to himself. He took God's curse on himself. That's what cursing himself means. Okay? To say, I am not with him. Emphatically renounced his loyalty to Jesus by denying him. And as he did that, guess what happened? Luke is really good at explaining this. Luke says, as Peter denied Jesus the third time, the Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And then the Rooster crowed. Or maybe it happened all at the same time. Or maybe it happened before. Anyway, the man that you emphatically proclaim your loyalty to, who predicted that you would do this, he looks at you. I don't know about you, but I would do what Peter did. He wept. He wept. And he ran out of there. You know, Mark and Matthew are a little bit cruel in their account. Because after this, they don't even talk about Peter anymore. 
mean, can you imagine if you were Peter reading Mark and uh, um, actually, I think it was written after he was uh, 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 crucified upside down, but you know, just he disappears. This man disappears, who's a follower, right hand of Jesus, disappears from the account of Mark and Matthew. If that's all God left us, then we would be vilifying Peter. But Luke does something interesting. He says, Jesus appeared to Simon and talked to him. But that's all he says. That's all Luke says. And you scratch your head and go, what was that conversation like? This, this Jesus who looked at Peter as he was denying him three times, what was that conversation like? You ever imagine? You ever wonder what that conversation is, was? That's why we love, I love Gospel of John. Because John explains it. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 21. Chapter 21 begins with uh, Peter and some of the other people going to uh, fish. And Jesus appears and they catch a bunch of fish and they just finish cooking and eating it. I would love to taste that fish. All right? And then, starting from verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Remember, he says, he actually says, Simon, son of John, three times. And that's important. Okay? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lamb. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, there's lots of goodness packed in there, but I don't have too much time left. So let me just give you some things that you guys can study. Study the number three. Okay? Number three is a perfect number in the scripture. Why? Because what do we believe in? The Trinity. One God in three. There's lots of reasons why three is three is perfect number. Peter denies Jesus three times. Jesus emphatically restores him three times. And here's how he does it. Remember when, when Peter said, uh, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Peter proclaims, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says to him, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon Barjona. 
Man has not uh, revealed this to you, but the Holy Spirit, James Kim translation. Okay. Simon, son of Jonah. What does Jesus say here? Simon, son of John. I know, sounds different. Jonah is, or John is the uh, uh, Greek, or uh, uh, Romanized uh, name for J- Jonah. Okay. So Simon, or Jonah, three times. That's Peter hearing that. You know, reason why he says the third when when Jesus asks the third time, reason why he was hurt was not because Jesus was saying, asking the question. He was hurt because he remembers remembers back to the face that was looking at him when he denied Jesus. Wouldn't you relive that when someone restores you that way? You would feel that. And then what does Jesus say? He addresses, I will die for you. Here. He says, you know what? You think you know how you're going to die? You don't. But you know what? You will die for me. And you know what Peter does? You've heard it many times. He said, I am not worthy to be crucified right side up the way that my Lord was crucified. He had to be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy in his mind. And then what does Jesus say at the end? He says, follow me. That's exactly what he said the first time he met him. Peter, you failed me. But you know what? You will still be my shepherd. So the second time he says, he says, tend my sheep. Jesus was the shepherd. He's passing the baton of shepherdship over to Peter. And then he says, follow me. Emphatic restoration. So why is that important? So why did the gospel writers, all four gospel writers write that? Because we are just like Peter. We deny Jesus daily. And it's showing, it's pointing us to the restoration. Because when you're restored, what did Peter do? When Peter was restored, what did he do? He led. He turned the world upside down. He and 11 others. Turn the world upside down. Ryan, you will turn the world upside down. I'm so excited about you. I'm so excited about all of you. I'm so excited. She's going to go to China. What was I supposed to say that? I'm I'm Peter, you know. (laughs) Kenny just came back from Egypt. I know, we have to do some debriefs. But... Because we fail all the time. But Jesus restores us by saying what he first said to us over and over again. Follow me. Come, follow me. All the people that I met in Iraq, they, they all told me stories of how they failed. Some of them had actually gone on that uh, refugee road. 
and they returned. They, weren't, they didn't get that from the very beginning. We will all fail at some point. But emphatically, Jesus restores us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that even though we emphatically proclaim you, our loyalty to you, and we emphatically fail by renouncing you, you emphatically restore us. So I don't know where we are today, but Lord, but will you restore each person here and help them to remember that very first call to come follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.